0: Really?
1: Yep. Same trip.
0: By the way, shooting at uh, noon, I noticed way more on it. Yeah. Nine, 10 p.m. Okay. And I used to have a day job. Yeah. And I'd have to. You quit your day job. I did three months ago. Thank you. Thank you. And and I couldn't shoot at noon for obvious reasons. But a couple episodes on a weekend I shot at noon and I noticed. It was Yara, the tennis player, and the chef, uh, yeah. Hakim Murad. those two were at noon. And I noticed that I was way more on it. There's something about, I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you cycled around Iceland, you probably know, that more energy in the morning than at night, right? Yeah. And not just physical, mental.
1: The only reason I thought maybe night was um, I've had more of the Intimate conversation, like living room style with your besties in the evening. So I felt like that's why. Kind but, of. It. Yes. Yeah. But and like, like this is going to be vulnerable. I'm not talking about my, my my training schedule. I'm talking about it's a very internal journey. It's a very emotional journey. And so that's why. Yeah. yeah. Just, I'm glad we're here.
0: We can move it to at night if you <laughs>
1: want. <laughs> yeah, hey I'll see you in seven hours.
0: Bismillah Welcome to an episode. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to a new episode of the Mo Show podcast. Very, very impressed with what you did. Thank you. Shall we tell them what you did? Sure. Ismina Idris, she decided to, I don't know if it was one day decided to, or she was training for it or not, we'll get into that. Uh, But she decided to circle a lap or cycle a lap around Iceland, a country that intrigues me in so many ways, a place that I want to visit very soon. She cycled 1,500 kilometers around the island of Iceland, becoming the first Arab and Saudi woman to do so. How did you get the idea to do that?
1: Honestly, it just came to me. I was in a transition phase. I had just left um, what I was doing as the head of a sustainable footwear brand. And I, this was a dream job. This was a job that I created for myself, that I left the corporate world for, to pursue thinking, you know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm following my dreams, I'm following my heart. And after a long time, it didn't pan out. And I stepped away from it, kind of disheartened. And I thought, okay, I have this time now to, to think of what I want to do next. And I didn't want to jump to the next thing immediately just to fill my time out of fear for not doing anything. And the idea for Iceland came, I think I'd been wanting to do a touring uh, event for a while. I've, I see them around the world and I'm like, that must be so cool. And I walked part of the Camino de Santiago in, in Spain Uh, I did a week of that, and it was my first experience of slow travel. So you carry everything on your back and you're literally walking a part of Spain. And then you look at a map and you're like, I walked that? It's insane. It's the slowest form of travel.
0: Is that north of Spain, Camila?
1: North of Spain.
0: By Basque country, right?
1: Yes. Um, And it was incredible. The way you connect with the place that you're in is next level. You have all day to yourself to be with your thoughts, which can be heaven or hell. Um, And I loved the idea of slow travel. I wanted something a little bit faster than on foot, though. And cycling felt like the perfect medium. And Iceland, subhanAllah, I think it's just one of those things that just needed to happen. It popped into my head. And I think I loved the rawness of the landscape and the power, it's super open, raw, um, yeah, just a powerful land, volcanic, icy, it's got everything. Um, And the openness of it, I think, was what drew me. Um, I knew it was gonna be windy, and I started training for that.
0: Did you come from a background, I mean, you you did touch that you were working for an active sportswear, and and I don't wanna make any assumptions that you were into fitness. I want to know, did you have a good fitness routine training regiment before Iceland or is it something that you really had to gear up for?
1: I had, I've always been on the more athletic side. Um, I ran, uh, two marathons and trained for that, for oh, those. Okay. Yeah.
0: No, that's enough. Next question.
1: Yeah. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but wait, I, I didn't, um, so, so when you're training for a marathon, it's very disciplined. It's 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 like four to six times a week, distances, you know, endurance. It's it's tough on the and running is is tough on your joints. But um, I was never a cyclist at all. Like the first time I clipped into my my bike was a month and a half before Iceland, before the starting line, and I fell a few times and it was embarrassing. F- falling on a bike is embarrassing cuz it's not like this epic fall it's like you're falling cuz you're clipped you're you're stuck to your bike and you didn't unclip quickly enough so it's like a slow you know
0: how do you get off the bike
1: you just um
0: it's a leg motion yeah oh.
1: it's a foot motion it's very very quick and easy but in the beginning you're not used to it and then sometimes you unclip one foot but it's the wrong foot and you fall um so no not at all very as very much a beginner, I hired a cycling coach who was virtual, so she'd send me my schedule and how long I needed to go and i I had a trainer who gave me gym stuff just to like make sure my upper body was also like holding me up on the bike because it's also you're, you're you're in this position for hours on end, so it's a full body thing that you're trying to prepare for um so yeah, it's took quick
0: reflections, yeah. Um, the bike is it similar to the ones that are used in, in a triathlon or Tour de France
1: neither it's neither. very heavy these are light because Tour de France and, and uh, a triathlon you're trying to go fast
0: what's the name of the bike so we can uh... Uh,
1: it's a Surly, um touring bike it's the only one that they make I'm blanking on the name they have they have cool quirky names but it's the only one they make you'll so...
0: send us pictures so we can put one up on the screen.
1: yeah for sure um, so it's heavy. It's like metal, not aluminum. It's um, it's sturdy. It's supposed to be your home for whatever you're doing, and it's got four bags. So I was carrying total, I think, about sixty pounds, maybe forty kilos.
0: When you eventually got there, was there any shock to the system that here it is? We're you know we're about to do a lap of this country, which one thousand five hundred kilometers. That's that's from Jidda to eastern eastern province. That's that's a Pretty much exactly it, and I know how long that is because I I've driven it, and and I almost shot myself, so so I can't imagine cycling it. On the day of, how did you feel body wise, mental wise?
1: I was a bit a bit numb, a bit dissociated with, with what was about to happen. The day before, I I was nervous, but I was so ready. Don't forget, there's a build up to this for four months. You know, you're telling people you're, you know, this is coming, you're imagining it on the bike, visualizing yourself on it. And finally, here we are. And the starting point, as well as the finish point, wasn't anything really big and and, and ceremonial. It's literally a random point on the highway that we marked. And so you're like, this is weird. I'm just we're stopped on the side of the highway and I'm about to go cycle around this country and come exactly back to this point. Um,
0: There's a highway that that does the circumference.
1: So I biked route one which is the ring road which is a route that goes around the entirety of Iceland. So it's one road you can't get lost. Insane winds, 30 mile per hour gusts and above. Um, Like imagine you're biking forward as fast as you can and then you're being blown backwards and it's like, and, and I'm, I'm already very shaky on the bike and I'm being, I'm on this teeny shoulder of the highway. So it's pretty dangerous. Um, I was being pushed onto the highway, onto oncoming traffic, just, you know, I'm not going to get hit by a car. Um, and after I felt I had been pushed, I had one or two close calls. I was just like, I'm going to get off and walk. Um, until the wind. Until the wind abated a little bit. Um, and anyway, there was a tunnel coming up that didn't allow bikes. Um, and so I took this long detour, which I didn't do again. For all the upcoming tunnels, I just biked through them. Um, but it was this long detour that took me, that added a day to the trip, basically. Um, so I got on and off, but it was a very brutal beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this journey, and it was like telling me, like this is gonna be tough. Buckle up.
0: Are, are you Are you happy that you faced that reality on day one?
1: Um, am I happy that I faced that reality on day one? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it was brutal. I. It was some of the toughest stuff I've ever done, I broke down at the end of the day, because the way that first day went, day one and three were, were the, the, toughest. Um, I got to my daily mileage and, um, the wind kept picking up. And so with the crew, we were trying to decide, do I stop here in a valley outside? We'd have to pitch our tents. In this very windy situation, it was starting to drizzle a little bit and stop. Or do we continue to a guest house that's like another 10 miles away? And at that point, 10 miles was taking me a long time. I needed the warmth. So I said, let's go. What's the temperature? Um, Eight degrees. In July? Mm.
0: Do these people see, see a day over 10?
1: They do. I got it. I prayed for, for sun. I got it. It was only 18 degrees. And I'm like, please no. Because you're so close to the sun. It, it's, 18 felt like 30. I felt like I was burning up. I'm like, give me the cold. Because you can always regulate the cold. You can't regulate the heat. Um. So I get to the guest house. You know, the crews, they're celebrating. And I'm just broken. I, I ignore them. I keep biking and get off my bike, throw the bike, go to a private place and, like, literally break down. My legs were shot. They were shaking. I couldn't feel them. And I don't know why I was crying. Like, there was no mental reason. I was just exhausted. Day one? Day one. I get to the guest house. They're not expecting us. so They don't have food. But there's a school visit. And after some negotiations, they're like, only she can eat some of the food if there's any left after the kids. Everyone else got Pizza Hut that they had to drive miles to get. Um,
0: One of our sponsors. Yeah,
1: huh, cool. Um,
0: you, you probably didn't have a, a margarita from Pizza Hut, did
1: you? I didn't. I had the lasagna that the kids had for their school trip, and I was happy with it. And I just, I was staring at the wall. I'm like, how am I going to do this again tomorrow and the day after and the day after? So I retreated to my room Um I needed to be with myself and figure this out because this was a month long thing. Go to bed, wake up as if nothing happened. Legs super ready to go. I did not understand
0: How many hours what it was? that
1: was. Probably like six and a half, seven. It's you get twenty four hour daylight in the summer. So
0: okay. six is six hours enough when you're doing something?
1: Probably not. But you never get peak performance conditions when you're doing these things.
0: And the team is waiting for you to say go.
1: Yes, I have I had four rest days in the pocket and the team's like, take it tomorrow and it's okay, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, I can't take my rest day on my second day, that won't work. Um but I felt good. I was ready to go the next day, subhanallah.
0: The reason why I asked you if you if you know, going through what you did in day one was a blessing yeah. or, or not. Yeah. Is because I think <clears throat> that night you got mentally stronger. mm because it's uh, you kind of got punched in the mouth, mm. um, proverbially speaking. Yeah. Uh, and, and that prepared you for what's to come. And my guess is that day one was one of the hardest, if not.
1: It was. I thought it would be the hardest. Day three ended up being the hardest just because the winds picked up more and it was hillier. So I was getting, uh, we call the wind the invisible hill. So I was getting wind and actual hills, so it was double, and the cars for some reason, the vans were nowhere to be seen we were we We were agreeing to meet at certain points every dozen every dozen miles or so um they weren't there, and I start to rely on seeing the vans just even if I don't stop, just as a psychological marker, and I wasn't seeing them and I was getting frustrated and I felt super alone and I like broke down. I, I did get, uh, pushed off the road at that point and, uh, was able to unclip on time, but I was just like, the hell am I doing? This was day three. And I wasn't even getting to my daily m- mileage of 50 miles, about 70 K. I couldn't, it was impossible. I was totally depleted and reaching maybe 30. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? That night we decided to change our strategy and work with the wind instead of with like a regular nine to five day job. Like, oh, we'll wake up ride until the night. Like, let's ride when the wind's at its lowest. We were not looking at weather. We were not looking at terrain. And and day three after day three was when we started to. So it was about 6 p.m. when I arrived, totally shot. And we agreed that night that I would wake up at 2.30 to start writing um, in the night, because I had 24-hour daylight. That was an advantage. Um, And that's when I started, when things shifted a little bit. And I started writing better. You know, I had to work with the environment instead of when you think are writable hours.
0: It's very disorienting. You know, you're out of your comfort zone, say the least, but even something as... As as uh, sun up and sun down, sun down, sun up and sun, <laughs> even something as sun up and sun down, which is something we, we take for granted, yeah. you, you didn't have that norm either. Mm. Forget about the wind, forget about the cold, forget about the time zone. Something as simple as sun up and sun down. Yeah. You didn't have. No. So disorienting to say the least.
1: Yeah. In so many ways, you know, My I was sleeping in a tent, um, That was uncomfortable, not because I I didn't like sleeping on the air mattress. Like, I wish I slept just on the ground. Um, So my sleep was really not very good. I was eating whatever we could find at the convenience store, which was instant noodles and stuff.
0: You didn't come prepared with your packed meals?
1: No, we were told that we would refill at gas stations most likely. I We bought a few prepared meals, but dehydrated meals that you use for things like this. Um, but, you know, it's got a ton of sodium. It's not fresh food. I'm eating at odd hours of the day. I'm trying to fuel my body. And so I'm eating a lot more. It's It's just super, just a totally different way of living, of going through a day.
0: Would you look at the nutritional element of it differently if you were to do it again do you think that was something that could be improved
1: you know i think it was so psychological for me and mental and emotional and spiritual that i don't know how much nutrition would have made a difference like way beyond that at this point
0: do you have these goo things
1: uh, did I have some of these? No, I was buying these uh, protein pancakes okay. from the road.
0: And they hold you to your next meal?
1: Frankly, I don't think I was eating very well.
0: <laughs> the only reason why I know what goo is is because I attended a triathlon meeting in Bahrain last week. Oh, cool. And I saw all the athletes what lining the up to, yeah, Sweet. stashing them in every pocket. In every pocket. Yeah. Um, people, any interactions with them?
1: Yes. Um, but imagine
0: that they're nice people.
1: Many, many interactions. They're nice. You know, they're, they're pretty reserved. Like if you look at an Icelandic person, they won't seem like the most jovial person in the world, but they're extremely helpful. Like they live in such a harsh country that they are very quick to help. Um, but they're definitely reserved.
0: Did anyone mistake you for being a local?
1: Uh, definitely not. No, no. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Plus, the people who bike there are usually tourists that came to bike the Ring
0: Road. Did you see other fellow cyclists?
1: Uh, uh, A handful of fellow cyclists. uh, Mainly, uh, people do this by van. They they rent a camper van, and then they'll sleep in it and stop at the campsites along the way. Um, Anyone who doesn't like a hot summer, it's a great thing for them. Um, But Iceland is filled with tourists. I mean, it's very, very... Minimally populated. It's got like two hundred thousand people in the entire country.
0: The, the the indigenous. Yes, you're right.
1: Very very few Iceland
0: over three uh, three and change. Yeah, I I thought at least one or two million. It's a very small population. So
1: it's a difficult place to live in year round. I got sunlight all all day, but in the winter you get you get no light all day.
0: So Ahmed Shigeri did an episode on Iceland last uh, Ramadan, and it just looks like the most laid-back, chilled-out place. Like if anyone suffers from, from, from anything mental, just go to, maybe not, maybe not do a loop of, of Route one, but um, just go and enjoy nature. That's Surely the nature aspect spoke to you as well.
1: Huge, huge part of why I chose it, and the kind of nature as well, very raw and open. And what that does is it, it just creates such an, in, in, in such an intense environment that it invites anything that wants to come out of you. Like if I were in France, biking by the prairies and when something's really beautiful and soft and, and, and calm it won't necessarily incite your most difficult emotions. And I went there to be with the truth of where I was in my life. Having just left a job I thought was my dream job um, and and having this time to to plan for my future, I wanted to face all the truths. And I think that's why I chose Iceland. But yeah, beautiful, natural uh, thermal baths. Um,
0: Did you try those? Yes, for
1: sure. A few friends came to join me at the end to celebrate, and we did the Blue Lagoon, um, the Sky Lagoon. It's phenomenal. Day four, the team dynamic changed. Um, There we were five, and uh, one person dropped off unexpectedly that day, and it changed our team dynamic. They had enough? They, You're the
0: one cycling here.
1: I'm the see. one cycling. The f- first four days were very dramatic, I will say. Um, this person was with us and they were creating this drama. It was very much, it kind of, it was very felt. And I was, I was having to deal with that on top of having to cycle. You don't need that. I really did not need that. Um, day four, this person left and things calmed down. They were painful, but they calmed down a little bit. And then it was planned for the assistant cameraman to leave after seven days. So after the first week, it ended up just being me, Kathy, and Madison. Um are their jobs? So Kathy is a very close friend of mine who is there to support with logistics and um, to kind of create the narrative of this documentary, where are we going to stay tonight, where is the food, blah, blah, blah. And then Madison is the lead filmmaker. Um, so just three women. Uh, and th- at that point, things really calmed. Like we were like, "Oh my God, deep breath, deep exhale. Like, let's connect with each other and see where we're at. like where what's happening? So much had happened in the first week. Like, where are we, and where do we want to go? Um,
0: Very common that less can be more,
1: yeah. And I think the fact that we were all women and we were already close friends helped even more to, to to just be at ease and let this be what it needed to be and what needed to come out to come out. That's where my emotion, my bigger emotions started to come out because I felt safe to express them with these two ladies. Um, so the second and third week were a very different trip, very internal. Um, me with myself with the support of these two women who like created the framework for for me to to like go to the extremes emotionally and feel still safe and held
0: when you finished on day 20 which was a day short of your target mm-hmm. did it all just make sense that you know the hardships uh the talking to yourself maybe the dark moments was it all worth it the end
1: it was definitely worth it even before the end but the end was very underwhelming just like the beginning i got lost reaching the end so i rode a bit beyond the the full mileage i got it's an industrial area around where we started and ended um and i had to be i had the crew on on the phone and on loudspeaker guiding me to where they were because i just couldn't find it I was getting excited getting towards the end and like imagining this whole ending and then I get lost for like four or five miles and it just totally kills it. And I arrive and it's like, okay, great. You know? Um, so it was underwhelming and, and there's in- intelligence in that too. Like that was meant to be underwhelming because it wasn't about... The finish. The finish. Yeah. It was about everything that happened between days one and 20.
0: That's That's the... That's the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. the conversations that you have with yourself, etc. Um you mentioned um masculine versus feminine approach to a challenge. Yeah. And you know, you're a perfect person to ask because, you know, you were met with this challenge. Mm-hmm. Um I wanna know like h- how did you approach it and how would your approach differ from how a, a male would, um, yeah, and and people might say, well, you know, she's not a male. Why are you asking her that? But when we spoke on the phone, there's something that you wanted to highlight. Yes, how the the two uh, sexes can differ in their approach to a challenge.
1: So, when I speak of the masculine and the feminine, it's masculine and feminine uh, archetypes or energies. So I have both. You have both. Like our our more determined, structured uh, side of us is more the masculine side, the more creative, loving, caring, nurturing is more the feminine side. And both men and women have both. But the nature of such a physical challenge is is not is masculine, naturally. Um, And in the beginning, having the two guys on the team and hearing their 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 encouragements. um, It was very much a masculine approach, just go determination, keep pushing. And it all came to head at day four, when day four was supposed to be my first rest day. But because the first three days were so intense, I needed to catch up on the mileage. And we were trying to decide, do we continue, do we break? I was exhausted at that point. And the compromise was I would ride half the distance. And, uh, it so happened that we, there's a village there. So we would stop, see if there's a guest house or a campsite and decide. I reached there and there were two options laid out to me by one of the guys from the team, it was, keep going. You've got this. It's only 9 AM and you already did half the distance. Cause I woke up at 2:30 before, um, you know, you look good. Like, let's just keep going. And the other side, which was given to me by one of the women was rest. If you need to rest rest we will catch up the mileage you look exhausted take the rest if you need it and eventually those two those two options started arguing and it got really intense
0: they were arguing together they
1: were arguing together and that's where I was that's where I had to make it i knew a shift needed to happen and i decided to take the day off just cuz the the energy was just the dynamic was too intense to move forward it just wasn't good for anyone on the team so we took the rest day and after the guys left and it became just women everything softened it's almost like I was going slower but further like our goal was to finish in 21 days and we finished in 20
0: 19 if it wasn't for the tunnel
1: 19 if it wasn't for the tunnel Um, and so there was the softness in me and my softness became my strength like I remember they called me to, to to let me know that there was a big 400 meter climb coming up soon and it was a windy day and I could have been that could have killed me like just made me stop take a rest get but instead I put on like soft music and I, I was like, okay. And it just became, they reflected to me that I looked more like elegant on the bike, that my, my strides were more um, efficient. Um, I was listening to the softest music and I felt, I felt subhanAllah, like the strength and, and the muscles that didn't need to be working relaxed, and the ones that didn't need to be working were on. And I took that climb easily. You know, and there was this shift in in our mentality. You know, I think the way society says it is fast is slow, or what is it? Fast or slow?
0: No, I mean, slow, slow is slow, fast. Slow, slow and slow steady. Is fast. Slow and well, the the old saying is slow and steady wins the race.
1: Right. Um, so it was it was something I had never imagined
0: to do. You burnt yourself out in the first three days or the first For sure, day. yeah, hundred. You're probably listening to not soft, were you listening to music? In the-
1: yeah, intense music. Intense music. Yes, yeah. to get me going, because that's what people listen to. Now I'm at the gym or I'm running. I listen to a podcast when I'm running yeah. or I listen to softer music, yeah. depending on my energy, of course, if I want to boost. But most of the time, the music we put on does not correlate the energy that we that w- we have. And sometimes we can like overpower our natural energy, and it kills us.
0: I mean, classical music is the way to go.
1: I haven't gone.:
0: Mozart there yet. Sixth Seriously. <laughs> You definitely left with learnings, and, mm-hmm. and if you were to do it again, the experience that you learned will completely change the way you approach it, whether it's that or, or another challenge. My question is, does this open the door for you? to want to do other challenges that push you to your limits?
1: 100%. I think what happens on these trips where you remove yourself from your day-to-day life completely, you give yourself that time away from family and friends and responsibility totally. That's like a portal to new possibilities because you think more clearly. You are unburdened by the burdens of everyday life. And so something happens, something switches. You're in this liminal space between reality and not reality. And there's an opportunity for transformation, which is what happened with me. It was, I went there, I mean, I was in a transformative phase, but I went there to figure out what I was transforming into. And it was extremely powerful to give myself that time and I, I want to do it every year to give myself that time away from everything there is a clarity that we cannot gain any other way
0: the way you speak of it screams that you've gained so much <clears throat> the way you speak of it screams that you've learned so much from it and from mental clarity to you know, happiness boost, dopamine increase, serotonin, endorphins—all these uh, chemical compositions or whatever you call them—are coming to mind. Um, and you can't take that for granted. I mean, getting out and 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 moving and burning really does hit the the, the mental clarity element of it all. And it's almost like an addiction. Like, you know, you you a day where you didn't push yourself or you didn't train. Almost probably feels like a lost day for you.
1: So I had four rest days, and those days felt a little strange. Felt like I needed to be on my bike. It it became my new home. It became where I felt safest because I could be whatever I needed to be, and I I had everything I needed too. If I needed to stop and sleep for the night, I had that. I had food. I had cooking sub. So like I had everything on me. Um. So so total freedom, but. Did I have that, like, physical addiction to the cycling? I don't know, Mo. It was really tough. It was really tough to get on the bike.
0: But were you not addicted to the feeling of the daily progress post? When you're off the bike and you're taking those shoes off. Yeah. Isn't it all worth it then?
1: it's all worth it but it's hard like when I after a rest day when I'm getting back on the bike I'm like oof I get a bit of it I'm like what's gonna happen today you know so growth isn't easy growth isn't like a a ride on on the roller coaster you know it's it can be intense and it can not but I just never knew what I was gonna get that day and there was a bit of an apprehension and, of course, a curiosity.
0: No doubt. And and a, a book I recently listened to on audio, and it's one of my favorite titles for any book, is The Obstacles is the Way. Mm. So the only way to prosperity, to growth, to where we want to be is via the obstacles. Yes. If, if you're not going through obstacles, you're on the wrong damn road. Seriously. And and, and just to hear that you waking up every day, ooh well, what's today going to throw at me is so inspiring to hear because you know it's coming, Mm -hmm. yet you are like saying, bring it.
1: So I think what I want to make clear is there are people who wake up and they're like, I'm going to face all my challenges with all this like courage and I'm excited for it. I don't want to call BS on that because each of us has their own experience, but for me, no, like growth transformation is difficult, but... But there's a beauty to it, and I've gotten comfortable with with the process of what it means to go through that, and and waking up in the morning, in the middle of the night, and putting on my clothes in the in the cold, and and going. There is a certain comfort that I find in the discomfort now, um, and if you create the right circumstance, then it can be less challenging it can be more easeful there are different ways of going through these phases in our lives and they could be very graceful um and i i would say i had the right the right setup the right circumstances who was with me what i was doing when i was doing it this was all creating the right environment for me to to go through this transformation freely and, and with grace
0: i think god decided to make it extra hard for you
1: i think so too
0: um, you also mentioned something about how we live in such a homogenized society and um, at the same time, you know, we're so different and each has their own individual capabilities and all that. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that point, which I loved?
1: Yeah. Um, what I meant by that is that for, we are the first generation of this kind. So for every other generation in history, We grew up in a social structure where everyone has a role. There's the matriarch or the patriarch and everyone has a role in society. If you're the first son, that's your role. If you're the second, third daughter, everyone has a clear cut role. And that's how we survived. We needed that. If your father was a farmer, everyone else was a farmer. But today your father could have been a farmer and you could be the CEO of Google. Those rules are completely shattered today. We can be whatever we want. And that's where things are shifting. I think from, from a more traditional structure of families in Saudi, that would, that would equate to like family businesses to, um, pursuing what we feel we are here for. And I believe that if we have a desire to be something, there's a reason God gave us this desire. There's a reason you really want to host a podcast. And someone else really wants to crunch numbers all day. There's just a natural reason for that. And today we have the freedom to pursue that. And I think there's more coherence in the world when people pursue that for themselves. Do what they feel they are here to do versus what they feel they, they need to do out of, out of duty or responsibility. I will say there are exceptions, of course. But as a general rule for the general public, I feel it's our responsibility nowadays to pursue what we feel we are here to do, instead of following what society tells us we are here to do, based on where we are in the hierarchy of our family.
0: Really well said. Really great take that. And I'll and I'll and I'll just add a little bit to that and say that I don't think it's ever been easier. And and I'll make it about Saudi Arabia because we're we're from here. Yeah. Um. And and we can speak on it. It's never been easier to find your tribe. Bottom line, how, Mo? what on earth do you mean? Mo? I have a friend of mine, one of my best friends, He's a kite surfer. Mm. He was never able to kite surf in Saudi five six years ago when he used to go to some isolated beach. Um, border patrol will be like, "What are you doing?" You know, and, and rightfully so, like, you know, what is this kite? Where right. did, are you going? Are you going to Sudan or what's happened? Mm-hmm. Or did he just come from there? Right. Um, and 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 that's fine, and I respect that. But today, by Saudi Games. He just got second place wow. uh, amongst thirty or forty other people who flew in for it. Wow. See what I mean by find your tribe? Yes. Um, the golfers. My cousin heads golf Saudi, and he loves the sport, and 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 he's a strategist. He's a consultant, yeah. and today he's CEO. Riddha, of golf Saudi. Inshallah. So <laughs> find your tribe, whether it's just the kite server. Um, my pe- my friends who love music. Okay, they are able to. the Turki, for example, mm-hmm. he loves music. His brother Muhammad, he loves films. Saeed Turki is involved um, in 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 the music commission and bringing these rappers from the states. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Turki, no introduction needed. He's head of the Red Sea Film Festival, mm-hmm. and I can go on. You you yeah. see what you see what I mean? Yeah. Easiest, easy. It's never been easier to find your tribe. Yeah. My, my rower friends, Hassan uh, and Rakan Al they uh, they're rowing for Saudi. Um, when would you ever have a kite surfer who can exercise and represent or a rower who can exercise and represent or or film or music or horseback riding or golf? And I'm talking niche. Yeah. All these things are kind of niche. Yeah, well, I'm talking yeah very. Soccer, basket. So it's beautiful. How about that? It's so cool. You know, and it just puts so much weight to what you said that we're the first generation mm-hmm. where we have that. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. We we don't want you to be in this box. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You want to do that? You're good. Well, you come here right now. We're about to empower you. What a privilege! What a privilege! So when people say it's you know we we live in a time where we're lucky to be alive at this point, mm-hmm. and I'll take it a step further, Al- alive and and able to participate, mm-hmm. which means that you know we're, we're not in the last third of our lives, mm-hmm. but we're kind of you know well at least I am. I'm forty now, so I'm in the middle. I could still. Do- so, so yeah, we are lucky to be a part of this. And what's more exciting is that my kids grow up in a Saudi where you will be pushed. And I don't care how many times I said this, but you will be pushed and empowered if you are talented. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not, you know, they'll cultivate yeah. you. Yeah. No matter what the hell it is you do. Yes. Slant over.
1: Thank you one point i wanted to say about that was people talk they think sometimes when i mention this that it's selfish that oh you're you're individualizing and you think that you're better than others it's like it's not being more individual you can create a tribe that like you just spoke to of kite surfers or of rowers so it has nothing to do with individualizing or or nothing to do with the respect you have for what your family did or what your father did or mother did before you it's 100 percent about about pursuing what makes you happy what makes you thrive what gives you a sense of purpose more than anything and
0: Sorry, who who said that
1: uh... i get that as a as a as a retaliation to this, to this argument sometimes of like, what do you mean you want to individuate? What do you mean you want to, they feel like it's breaking the tribe down. I'm saying it's building more, more true, more real, stronger tribes, because everyone's choosing to be here. It's not by inheritance of a role anymore. It's by choice. And that's when the magic happens. That's when you do your best. You know, that's why these people you just mentioned are thriving. Because they weren't taken and said, you look like you have a body for row or go row. You know, they chose they it.
0: Chose it's their passion.
1: Yes. And we're the first generation. And that's for better or worse. And if we want to admit it or not, that's a unique position to have. Like We have a responsibility as this generation to make sure this beautiful vision gets executed in, in the best way. And I'm, I'm really glad that we have the best leadership to take us yeah. there.
0: Like it, it bothered me in a good way mm. that Australia, who has the same population as Saudi, these guys are meddling in every event. You always say this in, in swimmers or in, um, in, in in archery or high jump or like you'd, you'd always see the Australian flag for a second or third, mm-hmm. which which told me that we have no excuse. I, I'll check, they're about 25, 30 million just like us, but their their guys are and girls are are invested, they're active, they have the opportunity, they've they've cultivated obviously their 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 sporting infrastructure is more advanced than ours. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if if the people who are heading our sports ministry mm-hmm. looked at that as a case study. Yeah. And 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 today there are opportunities for you name it. I don't think there's a sport that is practiced globally that isn't offered by way of empowering that individual should they wish to excel in it and take it further.
1: Yep. All you need is dedication. But it's just a matter of time for Saudi. I mean we're starting so to speak on the last track, but we're it's literally just a matter of time.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Australia. Twenty five million people, okay. <laughs> Indigenous, Saudi, Pop. There's twenty five. And we are 35. But we're not 35 million Saudis. I think there's like 10 million.
1: Population?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, we're, we're at, if I'm not mistaken, we're on 24, 25 million. And Australia was 25, 26. So about the same.
1: And we're young gener- a young
0: yeah, population. 50% under the age of 30. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, which, which is which is really encouraging because, you know, it's, it's um, um, grassroots level. Yeah. So as these as these guys come up, yeah, you're gonna have a lot of influx. Yeah. yeah. Came across a, a Saudi pole vaulter, pole vault. The stick. Yeah. You, yeah. You put it in and then you go over the thing. This guy meddled in Asia. Wow. I'm so sorry if I forgot your name. I'll, but but you, very soon we'll all know your name. Six seventeen, <laughs> and he and he pole vaulted for one of the top ten schools in the U.S. Like one of these Ohio state, like one of these yeah. big schools. And 18 years old, 18, 19, body bit like jacked. Wow. And he just meddled in Asia. Yes, so look out for him in the Olympics, yeah. inshallah. Pole vault. I know. Talk about niche interest. Very impressive guy. Ah, another one we digress.
1: <laughs> it's all about that.
0: Open-ended question here, yep. which I came across a week ago, and I took a note of it for your episode. And it is, and it goes, is suffering necessary for our existence?
1: Yes. Um, Why? I recently saw a uh, experiment that they did. They created this dome with the perfect conditions for plant life to grow, um, trees mainly, And the trees died after a year. Why? Because there was no wind. And the wind acted as resistance that forced the tree to have to grow up. And without the wind, without the resistance, there was no growth. And that's a perfect example of why. If you look at the most impressive people in the world, they've all had a story with some sort of adversity or resistance. And if you told me at the beginning of my life, do you want an easy life or an easy but stagnant life, but you wouldn't have to work for anything ever, or a more dynamic, difficult life that would, but you would grow from it, I would choose the latter every time without a second's guess.
0: Hard times create strong men. And I have seen that I've seen examples of that. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. It's kind of a cycle yeah So you'd have a person guy or, or a girl who would have it hard that works so hard so they can make a better life for themselves. They make a better life for themselves they get money, they have children the children have it easy because they didn't have to work as hard as the man. So that easy moment makes times hard for that child. And and then the cycle just continues. I don't know if I'm explaining it the right
1: no, way. No, 100%, yeah. 100%. And I think you can create the hardships for yourself. Like sometimes things are just given to you and you can go through your life without doing much. But I think... I think that's part of the reason why I chose to put myself in this situation because I wanted to expedite the process. Um, and I also want to say, hard doesn't mean, doesn't mean um, bad. bad. Mm-hmm. Like there can be so much joy and there can be so much pleasure in difficulty. Yeah. Um,
0: I hate the gym, but I love how I feel when I'm done.
1: Okay, but what about something that you're doing and it's hard, but while it's hard, it's fun. You know, like there's also that people really shy away from difficulty because they're afraid of it. Mm. But if you're in the right mindset and you allow for things, hard can be fun or it can be, there's, there's a certain, and what I'm thinking about is like a light in the darkness and being that light, and, yeah.
0: I get it. My mind went to Formula One drivers who lose two liters of water in a race, and mm-hmm. they're doing it for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but it's a game. Yeah. It, it's a race, it's a game. That, yeah. It's a gamified approach, and they're, as as much as it's G-force on the body, and it's a struggle, and it's... A... But I think they're having fun. Oh, they love it. Do you know, like... yeah. That's where my mind...
1: Yeah, and they're traveling every week and...
0: And they're, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Dream, dream, dream job, I think. Um, yeah. If you can enjoy this, the suffering and the struggle, if you can while you are, because you'll, you'll probably, you know, reap the rewards of it when it's done, but if you can enjoy the process, the mm-hmm. grueling process, mm-hmm. I think that's a great, great place to be in.
1: Either enjoy the process, which is totally possible, I've experienced it, or find moments of pleasure and joy in the process.
0: Like those who climb Everest, that yeah. have climbed Everest. Yes. I didn't ask her if she enjoyed the process, the climb, yeah. the last two days when you see the peak, yeah. and it's probably the most challenging because it's coldest wind, your best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's icier, uh, the air is thinner. Did you enjoy that grueling, Process of one step at a time was that enjoyable or was it I can't wait to get, to get there to get off it
1: mm-hmm. I would bet it's the first
0: the first option and enjoy yeah. Yeah, yeah especially when you're getting so close she's
1: gone back a billion times to do super cool things you know
0: anyone ever tell you forget about this idea that you want to go to Iceland and, and circle it like um, you know it's absolutely pointless did you get That from anyone?
1: A lot. In the beginning, especially as I was sharing it with people, um, they were like, you should be focusing on finding a job or, or your next thing. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm going to Iceland for. And it's okay for me to take six months off because I've never taken that time off since kindergarten. Like we go to school, graduate, job. Like it's crazy that we never give ourselves like proper time off. Again, back to this this idea of a new way, a new generation. This whole like work for 30, 40, 50 years then retire versus taking small sabbaticals throughout your life. I would prefer to live a life where I take small breaks. Um,
0: or a life where you don't feel like you have to run away from. Exactly. And, and if it means six months to find yourself and find what you do, I think you're bloody well entitled for it.
1: Exactly. And so... I got I got a lot of that in the beginning mm. from a lot of people. It was the majority. It was people didn't get it. Icelandish, like, and then no one understood. But something in me said you have to go to Iceland.
0: How happy are you that you didn't listen to them?
1: Oh, I'm so happy, so happy. But I knew, and, and that's part of my personality. Once I have this feeling of like do it, I'm gonna do it. And so I knew, but it's always nice to have people's support. You don't want to feel like you're always going against the grain and pushing for what you want.
0: And people to say, what are you doing?
1: And people to question your choices, Yanni. Um, but bit- then you do and everyone's so proud <laughs> you're yeah. like, now you're proud, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Has it changed the way you take criticism, be it constructive or not? Do you almost turn a blind eye to people who would say something to you? you know? Blocking the noises.
1: Yeah, I, I do that a lot. And uh, my family doesn't like it. But it's it's part of how I protect my dreams. Especially when, when, I, when I label something a dream, it means it's past all the stages to arrive at what I would call a dream, which means it's stuck for long enough. It creates enough of a fire in me. I'm dreaming about it at night. I, it's all I want to research in the morning. That's a dream. Iceland was that. When I have that, no one can say anything to dissuade me from it. And it's a gift. I, I really, really appreciate that I have this ability. It can be, it can be difficult to be with for others because it's so people have called it stubborn, but I call it determination. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Especially when people are used to you being submissive. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're not. You have mm-hmm. adulthood and all mm-hmm. that, which I think is one of the best parts of mm-hmm. being an adult. You can make your own decisions.
1: Huge, but you have to realize that you can make your own decisions. Especially, oh. especially someone coming from from an Arab and more traditional culture, it's like, look, you can make your own decision. We grow up thinking we can't, but we totally can. But and there's a way of approaching these things and bringing it to your tribe and your family of like, this is what I want to do. And then there's also this aspect of, I'm going to do it because I can. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you know that, uh, I think that's one of the, one of our Achilles negative mm-hmm. things of our culture is that we aren't independent as soon as we should be. Mm. We, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, yeah. we're big families. And, and that's one of the, the best things about our culture is how close we are with our families. But at the same time, our independence takes a hit. How so? I found out recently that kids age five upwards in Japan take themselves to school via underground or subway or tube or whatever you want to call it. They go solo, alone, to school at the age of five. Thought processes the parent can't drop them because the parent has to work and they know how to get from point A to B and back. It's just part of the culture. That's how they do it. So these guys are independent way, way before we are, where it's almost normal for a a child to be taken to school by his parent up until the age of what? 14. Parents are dropping up 16. Something I realized in the UK when I went to school there at the age of eleven, that they're a lot more independent than my schoolmates in South, mm-hmm. and and thus I grew in, in in tandem with them.
1: You were in that environment.
0: Yeah, I was in that environment, and you know, you're doing your own Same. laundry. You know, you're no one's chasing you for homework. Same. You know, you have no nanny. If we're going to call a spade a spade, big one. So that's um, something that I feel. Could be improved over here, the, the early independence aspect.
1: Same. I also went to boarding school um, in Switzerland, though, and we had these seven challenges in a year. And they weren't like little kid challenges. They were intense, like half marathon oh. from zero without training. It's up to you to train if you want to train. Otherwise, either way, you're going to run a half marathon. Um, you know, running to the top of the mountain, skiing at night in like icy conditions, finding your way through the forest. Um, as cliche as it sounds, it does form you putting yourself in these or or being put in these difficult situations does form you. Yeah, Yeah, you're right.
0: Do you now know what is a waste of time and what isn't
1: in general in life?
0: In general in life, yes. Like is there an efficiency dynamic that you have inherited after this after this experience?
1: I think what I inherited from this experience is stopping to question why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling in any given moment, especially if I don't like the way I'm feeling. So stopping to ask why. There's always a reason. And and dealing with that versus reacting to how I'm feeling. Um, Also, I think self-talk, you touched on it, but the way we always speak to ourselves. And I think for for me, a big part of what I went through and am actively going through is, is self-image. I feel like that's a new Theme that's come up for me to deal with, again, not by mistake. Um, and there's a lot of, there can be a lot of negative self talk. Yeah. I was never really like that. I was always pretty gentle with myself and I, I'm, I'm happy with who I am, alhamdulillah. Um, I've always worked on who I am, on myself. Um, but this is surfacing now and I'm like, okay, so apparently I haven't worked on it enough, you know? Or there's a higher level of freedom that I'm meant to attain in order to feel really confident and good in my skin. And so these questions are bubbling up and like coming back to to really being gentle with ourselves. And okay, this includes whether you spent today doing not much, or like trusting that there's a process that's happening that's being given to you that's for your best interest. As long as is for me, as long as I keep believing that things are conspiring in my favor, that everything, absolutely everything that happens in my life is for my benefit, yeah. then then you're, there's a certain trust in the inner workings of the world, you know, and, and what God has planned for you. 100%. And there's a, there's a it's a the slam, there's just like this comfort of like, I'm just going to relax for a moment and let things happen. Well said.
0: well said. You've been dropping some gems in this episode. I got some. Jim Carrey said what? Uh life isn't uh, what happens to you but what happens for you. Life is, I think that was his quote. That that resonated a
1: lot. It's interesting that he would say that.
0: Yeah, it, he's quite quite the character.
1: Yeah, I think he's gone through a lot.
0: A lot. Yeah. Comedians do because yeah. they spend all their lives making Easy. people laugh. And and then they realize that they have made everyone laugh but themselves. That's and sad. then it hits them. Um what's Yeah. Robert. David David Letterman as well. Oh. He, oh really he he also like when he left corporate news CBS yeah something, grew a beard yeah I saw beard, that series. and you could tell that he'd much rather have that serious intimate than the 30 like second a, uh, a, yeah the, almost like a like a clown or mm. you know not, not say that he's a clown but like yeah. just to make people laugh on like a commercial
1: yeah and, and I, I bet think. they like measure the like decibels of laughs so that they yeah. get oh my god the <laughs> yeah. pressure
0: yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely Um, talking to ourselves on the subject of talking to ourselves, the easiest person you can lie to is yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that a lot, even with me at that, tell myself, you only gained a kilo or two, but I won't weigh myself because I know it's more than that. For example. Um, so talking to yourself positively can really have an effect, talking to yourself negatively and also the lies you tell yourself. Mm Can 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 really have its effect mm-hmm. on it. So it's such the probably the most important. No, it is the most important conversation you have oh, is sure. with yourself. You hear that all the time
1: for sure. Yeah. And to bring it back to Iceland, when I was encouraging of myself, I always went further. Then when I was hard on myself, well, yalla, "Let's go!" And why aren't you? And why this? And why that? Whenever I was gentle with myself, and and encouraged, I would speak to myself like I was my own mother or my own like cheerleader yalla habibti let's go you know what I mean like personifying yourself creating that distance it's pretty powerful I I hadn't read about it at all before I just started doing it because I was running out of options and plus you go a bit cuckoo when you're out there on
0: your own that's what that's what yourself needed yeah your body told you you need to speak to it as your inner child as you were speaking to your inner child exactly that is fascinating
1: exactly And like all this talk about self talk, this is all inner child work, I mm-hmm. think.
0: It is, A thousand percent, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What's next, though? what What's the next uh, challenge you want to go for and when? And can I be your support vehicle driver?
1: Please. Um, I think I, I, ooh, I have one in mind. I don't know if I'm ready to share. That's fine. It might be different. It's
0: fine. You can tell us anyway.
1: But. Uh, <laughs> I think that the, the bigger picture of what's next, because this is—it's a—it's very personal work, and and i, I don't want to just leave it for myself. I want to share it. Yeah. I think the next level is to bring people and support them on their own journeys. This was a sort of pilgrimage for me. I—I kind of speak to to it with myself as a pilgrimage.
0: Spiritual. It was very spiritual, far from just being physical.
1: A hundred percent. And so to bring other people. On their own journeys, and to provide the safety that I had, to to see what's out there, to to see what's inside of them, to break the internal barriers, and see the truth with a capital T, and and be totally safe and supported in it.
0: This has a dream job written all, all over it. We'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Really
0: appreciated the Such stories. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Good luck with your next uh, ventures and projects and, ad- and adventures. Thanks. And uh, I, I I love driving. I love my cars. I drive a pickup truck. Do you? I think it'll you know really fit well in Iceland next time you need yeah. uh, someone to carry some extra bikes and follow you. Let's go. I am there. I am there. Great. Thanks, Yasuim. Thanks, man. All the best. Such a pleasure. Likewise.